Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech Asia Pacific series. As in Voice of Fintech podcast so far, here you will hear inspirational stories of entrepreneurs, corporate innovators, investors, ecosystem hub leaders from or close to the world of fintech. Asia Pacific series will be hosted by amazing hosts based in the region, speaking to the leaders from Asia Pacific. Here is another one hosted by Chia. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Voice of Fintech Asia podcast. My name is Chia, principal of Saison Capital, an Asia-focused fintech buyers venture capital fund. Today, I'm honored to have Vibaf, who recently joined Bank Open to hit their business strategy. Bank Open is an SME-focused business banking platform founded by serial entrepreneurs backed by global, leading global investors like Tiger Global, Speed Invest, AngelList, and Unicorn India Ventures, and has raised close to $40 million in VC funding so far. They are one of the world's fastest growing SME-focused business banking platforms with over 800,000 SMEs processing over 24 billion US dollars in transaction volume annually and adding 50,000 new SMEs every month. Vaibhav, it's great to have you. You have had a storied career as a founder, consultant, investment banker, and now fintech exec. Can you introduce yourself, your role, and the broader team behind Bank Open? Thanks, thanks, Chia, for having me on this podcast. My honor to be here. Uh, so, uh, very quickly about myself. Uh, I recently joined uh, Bank Open uh, to head business strategy. Before that, I've spent most of the last decade working around SMEs and fintechs in India, uh, mostly in an entrepreneurial capacity. I did two startups, one uh, a purchase link consumer lending venture where we made it easier for small businesses to sell on credit to their customers. We built a pioneering WhatsApp-based onboarding flow, removing customer friction and availing credit at the point of sale. Before that, I worked at a startup called Zopper. We had a retail tech product that was used by 20,000 odd small retailers. So this part of the business was acquired by uh, by phone pay in 2018 and uh, uh, before that i had another startup which is a b2b marketplace focused on handcrafted products uh, we brought on board indian handicraft smes online and helped them get discovered by buyers in western markets and uh, so, so yeah that I've, I've spent most of my time around smes and fintech and open uh, yeah, and if i talk about open per se founders come from a deep fintech background uh, they put in many years across the payments industry before they started open. And they'd seen the problems firsthand, you know, while interfacing with SMEs, uh, that integrated payment gateways uh, that, that were there. So from an SME standpoint, if you look at uh, uh, SME's problems, you know, SME faces uh, uh, problems like doing various things in a disjointed way. Uh, it, it is a problem for them to accept payments, make payments, reconcile what they receive, take care of compliance, taxation. So uh, doing all of these uh, is a broken experience right now. There are multiple products that are used to do all of these things. That is where Open happened. And the approach that we took was that uh, bank account is, is, is at the center of all the activities that you do as a small business. Because and, and if you can sit at the center of the flow of money, uh, the money that you receive and the money that you pay out, it becomes 
easier to kind of make payments or collect payments, reconcile and do everything else related to accounting, compliance and taxation. So with this core philosophy, started an integrated business banking platform with banking at the center of it, but having all the other things that a small business needs uh, to do their accounting, compliance and taxation. Started in 2017 and uh, by partnering with ICICI Bank and now our platform is, is being used by 800,000 plus SMEs. We are powering $24 billion in annualized transaction volume. You know, we have a 250 plus member team. We've raised over uh, $37 million from market global investors. Uh, and we are working with 15 plus banks for various uh, products and services of ours. We are consuming over 300 plus APIs from them, uh, probably the most in India. And uh, in fact, we are also powering or going live with uh, connected business banking platforms uh, of eight banks. So, uh, and, and you know, our infra right now is being used by some of the fintechs to, to run their business. So this has been, you know, our journey so far. And we believe that it is just getting started. The market is opening up uh, across a lot of fronts. And uh, we hope to, you know, build upon it and, and serve businesses of all types uh, through, our, through our platforms. Got you. Thank you so much, Vaibhav. I think most of our audience is very familiar with companies like Play, with Starling Bank in the market, and, and obviously open banking has become really, really exciting as, as a topic, especially in the, in the past 12 months. So can you help our audience understand a little bit more about the state of the Indian open banking scene with the key defining events of India FinTech, like UPI and demonetization. Can you, can you help paint a picture of where India FinTech is, is now? And- I believe India, along with China, is one of the highest FinTech adoption rates uh, anywhere in the world. And we talked about some of these companies, for example, uh, so a lot of, lot of open banking across UK and EU probably is driven by uh, the, the regulations that came out there. In, in the US, a lot of it is market-driven. You know, Plate, for example, you mentioned has done the hard work of uh, integrating with banks across the US. In India, it has been a mix. We have uh, great regulators and uh, as well as, you know, uh, on the market has also determined a lot of uh, open ba- banking activity that has just started out. So, I mean, if, if I were to take India fintech scene uh, through and through, you know, it all started with, uh, Aadhaar coming into the picture. So Aadhaar is this unique identity uh, that has been provided to every Indian. For context, around 2009, most Indians uh, lacked, uh, so roughly 400 million Indians, you know, lacked any identity document. So they did not have an identity. And obviously identity is the starting point of uh, of any uh, financial services uh, or they being able to come into the formal economy. So it all started with Aadhaar, you know, which which was a massive project uh, providing identity to all of you know these Indians which which lacked it, and uh, that brought the cost of KYC from as high as twenty three dollars to to fifteen cents. You know, over the course of five years, from Aadhaar started, you know, it it enrolled a billion Indians. Now there are one one point two seven billion Indians, you know, which have a Aadhaar card. Uh, which is 94% of India's population. And what is unique about Aadhaar is that it has all the basic demographic details and the biometrics. And basically, you can pull the Aadhaar database to validate whether a user exists or not and whether the details are correct or not. So that was the starting point, you know, of 
really uh, India fintech kind of starting out uh, and a lot of products and services have been built on top of Aadhaar per se. And as, as you were mentioning, you know, demonetization happened in 2016, which, which was really demonetization of high value currencies. And overnight, you know, a lot of most of the Indians had to switch to a mobile wallet per se to, 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 to make payments to merchants and all of that. And by that point of time, you know, Geo had also brought 400 million Indians on, on mobile, you know. So a combination of uh, people coming onto smartphones, you know, demonetization, forcing people to adopt mobile wallets is where the payments journey, for example, started in India. And very soon, UPI came on, which is a unified payments interface that uh, that 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 helps in account to account transfers so these are public rails by national payments corporation of india that routes payment messages underneath that layer you know there are banks which holds obviously funds and uh, update account balances and on top of it you know there are regulated fintechs which can gain access to the system underneath so so this whole so upi brought a payments evolution across the country uh, for context you know monthly transaction volumes on UPI are 2.2 billion right now, you know, it's growing 10% month on month and some $54 billion uh, in transaction value is, is being transacted over UPI. So UPI is one of the top five uh, payment rails anywhere in the world. Uh, and this payments revolution kind of was brought on top by, you know, this public utility infra powered by UPI. And now, you know, uh, we have this data empowerment and uh, protection architecture, which is a policy framework to essentially help, you know, consumers and businesses to protect the data that resides in financial institutions and share it for their own gain. And, you know, across the financial uh, institutions, you know, there's, there's this new class of financial intermediary called account aggregators which are really consent managers who facilitate movement of data, you know, between entities and uh, after explicit consent of the user. So it is our spin on open banking. You know, it covers 25 odd financial assets as opposed to just payments account accounts, for example, which is covered by PSD2. And, you know, there's a lot more happening on top of this, this policy framework. You know, there are a lot of other industries like healthcare or telco, which are ruling out their manifestations of this architecture. So in that in in, in that sense, this this lot lot of you know uh, there's a paradigm shift which has happened uh, over the last decade in terms of you know providing identity to Indians, then you know facilitating payments uh, account to account, and now being able to help helping them fetch their data, which is residing with financial institutions and other industries. Uh, very specifically, you know. Around 2013, odd uh, prepaid wallets started coming into the picture, and uh, you know banks have started to you know open up uh, their platforms uh, for third parties to access. So uh, I guess we're 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 now uh, on the open banking front. We are just starting out, and and the pace of accelerate the innovation will only accelerate now. Got you. So it sounds like there's been a lot of you know really interesting movements for India fintech and and as a result the adoption of, of, of fintech in, in India is I think one of the best penetrated and it sounds like bank opens in a you know really great position to take advantage of all of that so as part of this kind of open banking embedded finance thesis for India 
I'd love to understand kind of what do you think of the state of embedded finance of open banking in India right now, and and where do you see the largest growth in our Sure. So if we look uh, beyond payment gateways per se, uh, we are fairly early embedding finance uh, across industries. And uh, so far, embedded finance is largely restricted to the larger tech companies or fintechs. Uh, fintechs have been the first to embrace embedded finance, be it uh, the prepaid wallets or UPI. And, you know, then uh, it has been lending companies that, is, that have been working with banks to automate different aspects of the lending, lending value chain as also to disburse loans. But beyond fintechs, the other industries, the non-fintechs have been uh, have yet to embrace embedded finance as such. Uh, very few banks have good APIs. So banks in general lack the infrastructure, but but increasingly banks are getting very focused on banking as a service opportunity, and and the pace is accelerating, you know, because of greater awareness. So far, it's, it's mostly banks that lead this pack, uh, but there are newer players, you know, which are coming up. Zeta for cards, for example. Setu is done doing a lot of work around BBPS uh, connectivity. But what we believe is lending is still the largest opportunity, will remain the largest opportunity uh, for the time to come. And uh, there's, there's also a lot of work uh, on the public utility infrafront, uh, which has been happening. I was talking about account aggregators. There's this uh, OCAN framework, which is built on top of account aggregators is coming up which will uh, help uh, marketplaces, uh, online marketplaces and tech platforms to consume data from various institutions and contextually lend to companies as part of their marketplace. So so lending is definitely one of the areas where we see uh, the maximum growth happening in terms of embedded finance. Got you. That makes a lot of sense. Is there any aspects of, of the, you know, the open banking ecosystem that you're particularly bullish on um, personally or, or, or from from the perspective of bank from our standpoint we have a lot of uh, apis uh, you know 300 plus apis across 15 plus banks that we are working with so definitely being uh, able to uh, provide connected value across the ecosystem is uh, what is uh, you know what we uh, what we believe, you know, where the most value will be. So, for example, uh, you not just make payments, you are able to pay for the taxes that are associated with those payments. You're also able to, you know, provide credit where it is needed. So, I mean, we are looking at this opportunity more holistically versus specific to a fintech vertical per se. So, it, it could be cards that you might want to issue. So, different industries or segments of the sectors might have different needs and we would want to cater to them uh, holistically basis, whatever needs that they have. Got you. So really taking a, a more holistic, horizontal approach, uh, which fits very well with the, the wide range of SMEs uh, that you've been able to capture. Right, right. Absolutely. Because even if you look at the SME uh, segment in India, it is very diverse. There, 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 there are like very small uh, SMEs uh, or Kirana stores per se, they have different needs. Then there are slightly larger base of SMEs which have completely different needs. And also different, uh, what we believe is different segments eventually will be part of some larger digital ecosystem or the other. And each of these digital eco- ecosystems will be catering to different needs of SMEs. So it is uh, imperative that 
you know, as uh, infrastructure providers, we cater to all the needs that uh, are out there. Uh, given, given that you know we are plugged into all of these uh, banking uh, platforms uh, that are out there. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, actually, you know, just thinking about a holistic overview of of being able to support SMEs, one of the biggest overlooked risks and opportunities is really around regulatory oversight. And I think that's one of the advantages that that Bank Open has because of your deep partnership with an exist, one of the largest banks in India. So I'm very curious, what's your view on on this topic about regulations? If you, uh, before even, uh, you know, we come to India, if you look at uh, Europe, for example, open banking got acceleration through PSD2. And, you know, their banks uh, would lose a license if they don't uh, kind of expose their APIs. Uh, Singapore has been very forward-looking, you know, with monetary authority of Singapore coming up with digital licenses. Uh, India has been driven by a combination of regulation as well as, you know, the the market. And, uh, for example, you know, we had payment bank licenses two years after, you know, they came out in Europe, for example. And if you, if you look at our regulator, it is very, it is one of the most forward-looking regulators, regularly uh, engages with fintechs. You know, there's a regulatory sandbox, you know, a, a platform that they've given for fintechs, for example, right now. And uh, so RBI is always engaging with the ecosystems and banks are anyways very uh, well regulated. They go through all the compliances. So f- from that standpoint, uh, we are well covered, but we have always advocated for more regulations uh, around open banking. And uh, and, and, and yeah, I, uh, we believe that uh, as, as the pace of change uh, accelerates around embedded finance there'll be there'll be more regulations uh, which 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 should come in actually that makes a lot of sense love to maybe understand you know there's a lot of viewers out there who and listeners who've, who've looked at india for a long time or who have maybe heard a lot about india and are curious to learn more about the fintech scene there so love to understand your take on what are some of the largest gaps in understanding when founders or VCs look at India? What, what, what things would you say are, are key things to look at that might otherwise not have occurred to investors or founders? One of the things that was uh, overlooked about India earlier was that uh, we are a homogeneous one-country market. Uh, in reality, we, we we are a heterogeneous market that is spread across multiple states, languages, nuances, and, uh, and and so different products, you know, work for different set of consumers in India. I think that is getting understood better now. And, uh, you know, one of the things that is important in India from a product standpoint at a mass level is that if people don't get value, they'll not, uh, you know, kind of use, you know, your product or service. So we are more value conscious in that sense. For example, even if you take uh, our integrated platform in other markets uh, on a new banking platform, convenience would be one of the most important things. Here, uh, it is not so much important. People will not switch accounts or come to your platform if they don't get enough value in terms of. So so we have the whole connected suite, you know, that we have uh, for, for businesses. And that is how they come to us uh, because it, it becomes the one single place where they are able to do do everything it saves their time and also uh, you know helps them do better business per se and specifically you know sme digitization 
is imperative and kind of COVID has accelerated it. I think there are many more companies which will become fairly big catering to SMEs. You know, we have some 75 million plus micro, small and medium enterprises, you know, that employs somewhere around 120 million plus people and roughly contributes to 45% of our overall exports. And 20% plus of them are, you know, uh, based out of uh, rural India. So given that, you know, we have this incredibly large space of small and medium enterprises, they definitely are not a one size fits all. There'll be a lot of, lot of different players who will be catering to these different segments. So if you're seeing something which is catering to a small and medium enterprise, there are there are opportunities for many more players to uh, kind of cater to this segment. So this is definitely an underrepresented segment, and uh, we'll see a lot of growth. Uh, and and you know we've seen uh, that uh, players like us, Instamojo, Udan, Khatabuk, you know they've kind of added millions of users in the last two to three years and uh, shown that you know SMEs you know can be digitized. I think that is one of uh, the overlooked things. Uh, and also, you know, uh, what I believe is that there'll be a lot of startup activity across non-tier one cities in India. Uh, there are hubs outside Delhi, Bangalore and uh, Bombay, which are mushrooming up. And, you know, the products and services being built out here are innovative and, you know, they're solving local regional issues. So I believe that these hubs will also uh, you know, go on to play a significant role in, in the times to come. So that is what I would, that is where one needs to probably keep an eye on and kind of catch the trend before it becomes uh, common. Got you. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I think being able to focus on the wide variety of, of SMEs that exist in India and, and seeing that as a huge opportunity is definitely something uh, I, I would I would have, I would agree on and, and, and something that perhaps is, is going to be something of, of increasing focus as, as more and more founders and VCs look at India. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Vaibhav. It was really great to have you and, and thank you so much for being on the Voice of Fintech podcast. Thanks, Tia. My pleasure uh, to be on the podcast. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.